Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball at the bar with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations, got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the claw, and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code. And you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks and let's go. Calvin, it's Aloha Friday. I did not get the memo, but you are dressed to impress. You got the palm trees in the background. Aloha. You're having a good Friday, huh? I am. I'm having a great Friday. Unfortunately for Mike... Not as great as Mike is, but... Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, unfortunately for Mike, uh, you know, the Warriors... They finished business yesterday. They advanced to the NBA Finals. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But we got a full menu for you guys today. We're going to recap that game. We're going to talk about the Mavs going fishing and the things they can do uh, to improve this offseason. We're going to take a look at the Warriors um, making the Finals again. I think this is their eighth Finals appearance uh, with this group, which is pretty impressive Sixth and or, eight years. Sorry, sixth and eight years. You're correct. Uh, Curry wins the new MVP award. Zion is cleared. Jaden Ivey puts the Kings on blast. And then we're going to finish the show with a preview of today's game and Q&A. So let's jump right into it. Please, everyone that's watching, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We greatly appreciate all your support. And we're here every weekday for uh, Kings and basketball content for all you guys. So Calvin, let's jump right into it. Thursday, the Dallas Mavericks lose 110-120 to the Golden State Warriors. This was game five of the series, but if you were to ask Clay Thompson, it was game six because he played exceptionally well. 32 points for him, 18 points for Andrew Wiggins, 17 for Draymond Green, 15 points for Steph Curry, 10 points and 18 huge rebounds. I'm going to say that again because if you watch the highlights of this game, you see Kevin Looney grabbing rebounds all over the place. 18 huge rebounds for Kevin Looney in this game. 16 points for Jordan Poole off the bench. The Dallas Mavericks didn't play horrible. Uh, Luka Doncic did not shoot well from three-point range. 3 of 13 from three. He had eight, uh, 28 points in this game, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. 10 points for Jalen Brunson, 14 for Dorian Finney-Smith, and 26 points for De uh, Spencer Dinwiddie off the bench, including five three-pointers for him. Calvin, first thoughts on the game? Well, this game kind of summed up the whole series, in my opinion. This was a vintage, classic Golden State Warriors basketball game. The ball movement was phenomenal from beginning to end. You stole my joke. Clay Thompson did show up in game five, probably thinking it was game six. Um, but the Warriors just dominated this game really in every area. You mentioned Kevon Looney. He was so huge for them, not just in this game, but for this entire series. He did to the Mavericks what guys like Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Aiden could not do. He made himself uh, a weapon both offensively and defensively, and that's without being a guy that they actually play through on offense. Seven offensive rebounds in this game almost every single one of those offensive rebounds resulted in a wide open three for golden state off a second chance opportunity they punished dallas all series long on the boards out rebounded them by 17 in this game they killed them in the paint out re or excuse me outscored them by 18 points in the paint in game five and 36 assists on 45 made field goals 
Dallas actually played pretty well, especially in the second half of this game. They shot over 40% from three. They made 17 threes. Luka got off to a very slow start, but he finally was able to get himself going and ended with pretty reasonable numbers. Yet they were still, uh, you know, getting blown away for most of that third quarter and lose the game by 10 points because they just could not stop the Warriors offensively. It was really a thing of beauty to watch Colton State play basketball last night. Yeah, it definitely was. Golden State was up by 25 points at one point in this game. That was early on. The Mavs were able to make a run. I think it was like 15 to 1 or 15 to 2 or something like that in the third quarter, including 15 points from Luka Doncic. The dude was on fire in the third quarter, hitting threes, going to the basket, doing Luka type things. If you were to look at the, you know, the stats in this game and you look at the Mavericks, you're like, "Okay, well, you only turned over the ball eight times. You shot 40% from three-point range, 45% from the field. Like You had a good shot at winning this game. But you're right, Calvin. This game was more about how well the Warriors played than anything else, right? The Warriors just played exceptionally well. They rebounded well. They passed the ball well. They made shots. Great team basketball. I know it was a couple episodes ago, you were just, you know, raving about how much fun you had watching this Warriors team when they do play well, because they're, they're an exceptionally well-run uh, basketball team. I was watching a video last night. I was having some problems sleeping, so I was up late, uh, and I was watching a video um, of Iman Shumpert, and it was a very clickbaity title, Why Iman Shumpert Hates the Warriors, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he goes into talk, and he's like, He's like, you know, the Warriors, they just, you know, they didn't play the style of basketball that I learned was the style that you play to win, right? Like, you know, you warm up by going inside, making some shots. And once you heat up a little bit, you feel a little bit better. And then you start shooting threes and stuff like that. He's like, the Warriors, they never played like that. As soon as as the ball tipped off, they were already hot from three. And they just started shooting threes. They didn't need to shoot that many threes in this game. Yes, they, they shot well. Um, but it just goes to show how well-rounded this team is. And they can pretty much do anything. They can match anybody's playing style. They're so versatile. And they're heading back to the NBA Finals. They are. And actually, uh, it's a good point that you just brought up there. Everybody's enamored, obviously, with the way Golden State shoots the three. They've got the Splash Brothers, all that stuff. But the reason Golden State is as good of a team as they are, and the reason they've been a dynasty or, or been around for as long as they've been around is because they're smart enough to know when not to settle for those threes. I mentioned they beat the Mavs in points in the paint in almost every game, might've been every game in this entire series. They're really, really smart at knowing when to take those threes, uh, when they're hot, all that stuff, when they've got all the momentum, but also knowing when they need to get easy buckets, whether it's to stop a run, uh, or just to get somebody else going, um, you know, to set up plays, <clears throat> excuse me, plays that are coming after that, where they're going to look like they're uh, driving inside or throwing it back door for a cut, but instead it leaves somebody wide open for three in the corner. They're just so dynamic <clears throat> offensively with how they move, both without the ball, the movement with the ball. It makes it so, so difficult for a defense to stop, especially when they're clicking on all cylinders like they were last night. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Shout out to Mike here in the chat. Did I say Kevin Looney? I meant Kevon Looney. If I said Kevin Looney, <laughs> my apologies. Uh, also, want to apologize to everyone if, if we're cutting in and out here. Uh, the internet is not as fast here as it's been uh, for the past couple podcasts. So just please uh, bear with us here. We'll get it figured out. But uh, yeah, it's a tough loss for the Dallas Mavericks and for fans like Mike Monticello. But hey, guys. You made it to the Western Conference Finals. Like, come on. Like, no one expected you guys to make it this far. It's a great building block. Um, you know, I consider this season as a grave success uh, for the Dallas Mavericks. And I expect them to build off of this and get stronger. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, but Mike has a question here. How can the Mavs address the center position next season? Thoughts on moves they need to make? We'll talk about that here in a little bit, Mike, so you just got to stay tuned. Calvin, anything else you want to mention about this game? Uh, I just echo what you just said, basically. You know, Luca was so great 
this whole postseason, the future is definitely bright in Dallas for for a lot of reasons. But Luca is obviously the biggest one of those, right? And uh, they they fought hard. They did things that nobody really expected them to do in these playoffs. They had, they had a fantastic season from start to finish. They were one of the top four teams in the Western Conference basically all year long. It's not like they sh came in and shocked anybody um, by being the seven or eight seed in this postseason. They validated where they're at. They're, they're here. They're here to stay. Just like a young Memphis Grizzlies team, I think you can expect to see the Dallas Mavericks be competing deep into the playoffs, the Western Conference playoffs, for a long time to come. Yeah, and I think they also they overcame a lot of diversity or adversity this season as well, you know, with the injury to Luka Doncic in the first round, trading Kristaps Porzingis at the trade deadline, bringing in a new head coach and Jason Kidd. Uh, you know, they had a great season and a lot of things to build off of. I know I said that already, but it's just how I feel, right, is a lot of positive things. It's a building block. Uh, you don't build a whole house in one day or, or Rome was not built in a day. Some grave, uh, big strides for them. And uh, congratulations to them and their fan base because uh, you're right, Calvin. I, I think they will be back in the Western Conference Finals and probably the NBA Finals sooner than, than uh, later. What up, Progressive G? Good to see you here. Thanks for joining us. All right, let's move on, Calvin. Let's talk a little bit about the Mavs going fishing. And uh, I just want to know from you, if the Mavs are fishing, who's driving the boat? Well, I think it's pretty obvious that Luca will be driving, right? Well, I mean, the thing is, is who's, who's driving is not the guy that's reeling in the fish. If Luca's reeling in the fish, he can't be driving. Or is he driving and somebody else is, is reeling him in? I, I don't know. Maybe Mark Cuban's driving. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure. Mark Cuban's serving uh, martinis to all the players, probably. And Luca's <laughs> probably drinking beers, so he probably can't beers, drive. Beers all day. But, uh, all right, so let's jump here into the offseason. Um, before we can address offseason needs and all that, I'm going to give some context here and break down the Dallas Mavericks payroll for next season. We touched on this about a month ago, uh, I think in the first round, um, but I might as well just touch on it here again. As of right now, they have... 151 million dollars committed to this roster next season which is significantly over the salary cap tim hardaway jr who only played about 42 games this season and, and missed pretty much the entire playoffs uh he's making 19 million next season he's got two years on his deal after that spencer dinwiddie's making 18 million and he's got uh one more season after that that's partially guaranteed Davis Bertans, another guy that was picked up at the deadline, is making $16 million next season. He's got $17 million the season after that. And then a $16 million partially guaranteed deal for 2024-2025. Dwight Powell is entering the last year of, of his deal at $11.8 million. Luka Doncic, he's only 23, he enters into the first year of that five-year Supermax uh, contract for him, $35.7 million. And then he's got four years after that, including uh, $47 million in 2026, 2027. I think, uh, you know, signing him to this extension was a no brainer. However, it does create some salary cap issues. And we'll talk about that here shortly. Reggie Bullock, $10 million for him next season has a 10 point uh, $5 million partially guaranteed deal the season after that. Maxi Kleba, $9 million partially guaranteed deal. He played exceptionally well and shot uh, ridiculously well in some of these games in the postseason. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, $12 million for Dorian Finney-Smith in the first year of his four-year contract extension. Uh, 3.5 for Boban. 3.4 uh, team option for Trey Burke, or sorry, it's a player option for Trey Burke. $3 million for Sterling Brown on the last year of his deal. Josh Green uh, is you know just finishing up the first half of his rookie contract, so he's got two more years uh, of team options. The first one at $3 million. Jalen Brunson, restricted free agent at the end of this season. Frank Nilakina is coming back, uh, $2 million partially guaranteed deal next season and 2.1 for Marquise Chris. Calvin, what is 
the first immediate need for this Dallas Mavericks team heading into the offseason? Ooh, that, that's a really tough question. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think a lot of people would be quick to jump and say, re-sign Jalen Brunson, right? He was so good for them this year uh, and emerged really, I think he convinced everybody around the league that he's a starter and, and no longer a backup. And they started him, you know, for pretty much the the entirety of the the end of the postseason run. Uh, it, it's a very difficult situation, though. You know, as Mike is saying here, just from the monetary aspect, looking outside or outside looking in at this offseason, it doesn't look good for them. They're really handicapped financially, uh, especially for a guy that probably earned himself, you know, millions upon millions of dollars just in the last month with how he played in the postseason. So I, I think if, if I'm the Dallas Mavericks, the first question that I'm asking with this roster is, do we want to continue to play the same style of play that we went with this year? Is that really what's going to, to succeed for us or make us succeed and ultimately win a championship? Can we win a title playing that same way? If that's the case, Look, the, the good news and the bad news for the, the Mavericks is they've got Luka Doncic, right? And mm -hmm. it's good news because you've got this guy who's 23 years old who is so good and can fit with so many different types of players that you're going to be in contention, you know, for a, a strong playoff seed almost every year, maybe even depending on, not even depending on who you fill the roster around him with. He's just that good. But that's also the bad news because he makes a ton of money and it's not just him. I mean, you've got guys, Davis Bertans would be one of the first people I would look at and say, is he worth what we're paying him to, to stay on the bench? Sure, he was good in certain spots. He had some games where he hit a bunch of threes. But consistently, does he give you enough to justify paying him over $10 million a year when you are possibly losing out on a guy like Jalen Brunson because you can't resign him for that. So, I, again, the first question for me is, do we continue to play this style? Uh, and then you have to go from there and try to figure out what you can do financially to, to build around Luka and keep the same pieces around him. In a perfect world, I would say Luka needs to be paired with another star big man. I, I don't know if they're going to win a title unless he's got a legit number two power forward or center alongside him. Somebody with the the capability or the talent level of an Anthony Davis is like the person that I'm thinking of. He, he needs a running mate here in order to get him over the top. It's amazing that they got this far, you know, basically with just him. But that again, that's not a, a situation that they're uh, prepared for this offseason. They don't have enough money to find that guy. So it's going to have to be through the draft. It's going to have to be through some trades, perhaps. Uh, Mike brings up a good point here that Tim Hardaway will be back next year. He does give them, you know, a lot of the same types of qualities that this that this team, you know, embodied all year long. A big, long body that can shoot, uh, play a little bit of defense, probably not the same type of defender as like a Dorian Finney-Smith, but serviceable in that regard. The question is, is that enough? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with Mike here. Uh, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., just having him healthy for next season is going to give this team a huge boost. He was the highest played player on this Mavs team this season, uh, not including uh, the big man in Porzingis that was traded. I think he'll give them a huge boost. He's got a ton of talent. I know he's 30 years old now, but he can shoot the ball well. He can get his own shot. Uh, he's he's not not an exceptional defender, but he can, he can definitely uh, hold his weight. I did like the addition of of Spencer Dinwiddie at the deadline. I agree with you about uh, Davis Bertans. Have to figure out what to do with that guy and figure out how to move his contract. I think he was kind of a throw in, maybe a salary matcher in that Dallas uh, Mavericks trade with uh, the Wizards. So I, I don't really see him as a future uh, for this team. But for me, the biggest question is kind of what you mentioned, and that's what do you do with Jalen Brunson, right? Jalen Brunson seems to need the ball in his hands to play exceptionally well. And he played well in stretches with Luka Doncic. He played really well in stretches without Luka Doncic. 
I see Luka very similar to LeBron James. Maybe not in athletic ability, but in terms of he's a point forward that handles the ball. Uh, he, he's very productive. He passes the ball well. He can do a lot of things on the basketball court. What has LeBron done to succeed in the NBA? He's played with a ton of shooters. We saw the first year that he came to the Lakers and they said, we're going to switch it up. We're going to try something different. We're going to have a bunch of guys that can make plays around LeBron and see what happens. And that was a failed experiment. When they abandoned that plan and they just said, we need to surround LeBron with shooters. We need to have big guys that can shoot the ball, clear the paint so that he can drive to the rim. He had so much more success. And I see something similar with um, a guy like Luka Doncic. Now, I love that they have big men that can uh, you know, space the floor and shoot the three ball, but I do think they need some more rim protection. I might be looking at a guy like Miles Turner uh, you know, and see what happens with him uh, with the Pacers. Maybe the Pacers decided that they're going to keep him and they want to build around him, but he could be the big man that helps this team get a little bit past the hump. We've heard statements from him, him in the past year that he wants a bigger role on a team. Being the second biggest player, the second uh, best player on this Dallas Mavericks team could really help him a lot. And, you know, the Pacers, they were able to pick up Tyrese Halliburton. We've seen him play off the ball a little bit as well. Maybe a, a Bertans uh, sign and trade with Brunson and maybe a draft pick could be enough to get a guy like Miles Turner. Uh, I'm not really sure, but they make this team. It has a lot of money committed to these players next season. I expect to see most of them back. Uh, I think they need to bring back Maxi Kleba. I think Dorian Finney-Smith is, is definitely going to return to the team. Uh, but yeah, the, bi the biggest question marks for me is Davis Bertans. What's going to happen um, with Jalen Brunson and finding some rim protection? Yeah, I agree 100%. This is probably one of the, the most difficult teams to, uh, you know, assess their offseason needs and, and try to figure out what it is that they have to do, what they have to bring in to, to get better and improve from this season. And first and foremost, it's because of how much money, like you mentioned, they already have committed. It just makes the it shrinks the number of options they have by a lot. Um, but that's a really good point with Brunson needing the ball in his hands. And I love your addition of Miles Turner. I think he would fit in great on that team if they were able to grab him. Number one, he's really great at setting solid screens in the pick and roll game. That would be awesome for Luka. And you think about a two-man game with him, with Miles Turner and Luka Doncic, don't forget, Miles Turner can really shoot it from outside. So that gives the Mavericks a lot of options. A big man that A, uh, ha gives them rim protection and B can still space the floor and fit into what they already like to do offensively. That would be a really solid move. Yeah. And the Dallas Mavericks also have the 26th pick in this year's draft. Can you see any of these guys maybe falling to 26 that could potentially help this Dallas Mavericks team? Well, the good news for Dallas is that most of the the you know middle of there's obviously these two big men way at the top or three if you include Bunkero right Jabari Smith Holmgren and Bunkero but after that there's a lot of uh, pretty good centers who are really good rim protectors that are that are going to fall in the middle of this class the question is do they go you know as high as like 13 14 15 or will they still be available in the mid 20s that that's a really hard one to answer but. Uh, somebody like I believe Mark Williams is uh, the mm -hmm. guy from Duke. It's like six very, blocks very a game or something crazy. Yeah, yeah, huge, huge rim protection potential. He's projected right now, you know, again in those uh, mid to high teens of this draft class, somewhere around like 14, 15. So I think Dallas would probably have to trade up to get somebody like that, but that's not you know a totally impossible move either. Yeah, it's also tough, right, finding guys in the draft that are ready to perform, uh, you know, starting on day one. The Dallas Mavericks obviously have their, their sights set a little bit higher next season than they, than they did this season. Maybe that pick is just used to try and get rid of a guy like Davis Bertans. I'm not really sure, um, but it could help them, you know, have some more room to re-sign a guy like Jalen Brunson or maybe sign and trade him and bring in another piece like a Miles Turner or somebody like that. 
Progressive G wants to know, uh, what do you think about a guy like Rashawn Holmes joining the Dallas Mavericks? Because he, he thrives in the pick and roll game, but he doesn't shoot the three ball that well. Well, Rashawn Holmes and Dwight Powell, uh, you know, maybe they're not uh, not what most people think of as like the same player, but they really go about business in a lot of the same ways. Uh, they're used very frequently in pick and rolls, but they're basically, you know, lob threats. That's really, really the only time they're going to get off a shot. They're there to play defense um, and, you know, help set things going offensively in terms of setting screens, rolling to the basket, crashing hard, offensive rebounds, stuff like that. So do I think that Dallas could use him? Yeah, I do, but I don't know how much better one Dwight Powell is for them versus Rashawn Holmes, right? I, I see them as very similar players. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. And, you know, second year for Coach Kidd with the Mavericks. They're going to have a full offseason to make some adjustments with some of these new players they added at the deadline. Uh, I really like Spencer Dinwiddie a lot. I think he's going to have a huge role on this Mavericks team next season, whether it's starting alongside Luka Doncic or coming off the bench. I love what he gives this team. Uh, Any thoughts on Spencer Dinwiddie? I like Spencer Dinwiddie a lot. Um, you know, again, I've said it before when they made the trade for him, I was a little confused, but he was great for them down the stretch, especially in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, really a, a the perfect type of player to have for them coming off the bench, especially when Jalen Brunston was moved into the starting lineup, you know, because he was pretty much their sixth man and the guy they looked to get a lot of points for them coming off that bench. So Spencer Dinwiddie was great. Another guy that it carries a pretty high price tag, you know, for what he brings to the team. But I, I think Dallas definitely struck it when they traded for him. And, and if they can hang on to him, they should definitely try. Yeah. Yeah. I, unfortunately, you know, however you want to look at this, I think the Mavs are pretty much going to have a very similar roster next year than they have this year, which is not yeah. a bad thing considering they just made the Western conference finals but they need to make a few tweaks, a couple adjustments here and there. If they are able to bring in another guy, maybe, like I said, a Miles Turner or somebody like that, that can help them. But they just need to get healthy. They need to build. They need to uh, grow. And and they're going to be perfectly fine. they got to so. figure out what they're doing cap-wise. They yeah. have to decide whether or not it, it makes sense to re-sign Jalen Brunson, how much money they're willing to actually pay him, first and foremost, and what that means for the rest of the roster, moving guys like Davis Bertans that we already talked about. And and one more uh, note just about Rashawn Holmes, you know, because I agree with Progressive G here that he has definitely shown more upside than Dwight Powell. But the other side to that is depending on what team you play on and what style or system that team plays, your upside can be capped. It can be, uh, you know, maximized out at a certain level. And if Rashawn plays with a team like Dallas, again, you know, we talked about do they – continue to play that same style moving forward next year and the year after that. If they do, I don't think Rashawn can really grow into a bigger role on that team and then eventually get better than what Dwight Powell already is. Yeah. Well, enough talking about the team that lost. Let's talk about the team that won, the Golden State Warriors. And yes, I I effed it up in the intro. This is their sixth time in eight seasons making the NBA Finals. Uh, I think it's safe to say... Uh, they deserved a little break after making it that many years in a row, winning rings. I want to know from you, Calvin, what is so important about this year, the Warriors making the finals, and what does this mean as far as their legacy, especially a guy like Steph Curry, uh, because he could win another ring here, and that ties him with some of the greats. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like we've discussed on this show before, you know, in terms of your legacy, the the Warriors' legacy and those individual players, Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green, they, their legacies are already written. They're already set in stone. This just adds to it. I mean, a fourth title for Steph, More you're going to hear more people talk about him as a top 10 player of all time, you know, right, rightfully so. Uh, they're, they're a great team. They're great players. Um, whether or not they win this title ultimately doesn't change anything for me. I still view them as some of the greatest players uh, that I've ever had the the pleasure of watching. Um, so, it, again, you know, I, I just think it's kind of ironic that everyone is talking about 
Steph and the fact he doesn't have a finals MVP. And he is the first person to ever win the conference finals MVP. So that's a little funny to me, but. Yeah, it's official. Curry wins the Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals MVP. We'll see if he can win a Finals MVP this season. Uh, He's got a pretty good chance here, and he's been playing uh, incredibly well. Calvin, as far as the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, do you have a favorite right now? Well, I think it's got to be Jason Tatum. Uh, I mean, he's been the best player on that team through the entire postseason uh, you know, Jalen Brown has had some really, really good games. He's been playing incredibly he has, well. He has not been as consistent as Tatum has. I, I think it would be it would be very surprising to me if Boston wins, uh, unless Tatum has you know just a pretty rough game and Jalen Brown goes for like thirty five or something like that. I'd be very surprised to see anybody not named Jason Tatum win. Yeah, the luxury of having those two guys is really incredible because it seems like every time that Jason Tatum seems to have a, a mediocre game by his standards, Jalen I mean sorry, Jalen Brown just seems to like play exceptionally well. So, uh shout out to them for drafting well, developing these guys, sticking with them. It was just earlier in the season, Calvin, we were talking about maybe it's time to break up this tandem. Now they're one win away from going to the NBA Finals. Uh, pretty incredible, pretty incredible. Yep. yep. All right, you want to give us an update on on uh, Zion Williamson? Yeah, Zion has officially, both by his camp and by the team, been cleared to play with no restrictions. So he is, uh, as of this moment, one hundred percent available for the Pelicans in their entire off season workout program. Is this according to him or according to the Pelicans? Because we know they don't always agree here. <laughs> no, this is, this is, I mean, it, according to him, he's been cleared to play for months now. But this is coming from the team that they have officially joined uh, his camp, that he is 100% available. Perfect. Let's hope we don't see any of these pictures in the offseason or these stories. Zion gains 30 pounds, all this stuff. <laughs> uh, it's really quite unfortunate. And he lives in a city that has incredible food. Uh, so it's got to be very, very tempting. Um, but I'm excited for the Pelicans. I'm excited for Zion Williamson. They've had an incredible season as well this year. And adding in a guy like that, it, it's really hard to even tell where the ceiling is because the dude is a once-in-a-generation player, right? Or can be. Yeah, Definitely. Um, New Orleans has got to be feeling very, very good about themselves right now. Uh, Brandon Ingram finally, you know, has emerged into what most people believe his eventual stardom in the NBA will be. C.J. McCollum was maybe the most perfect acquisition of the trade deadline of any team in the league. They got Valanchunas last year in replace of Steven Adams, who played really, really well for them. And the the young guys that they drafted, too, Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones – um, these My guys guy. are defensive specialists, but you need those types of players on your team. So they're all of a sudden a very well-rounded basketball team with a lot of firepower. The team looks incredibly good on paper, but we've seen in the past teams that although they may seem stacked, don't exactly play well together. We haven't seen Zion and CJ play together. And we've seen teams before add three superstars or close to it, put them together, and there's not enough ball to go around. Do you have any concerns about that? No, not really. Zion's one of the most efficient players uh, in basketball, period. He he doesn't need necessarily a ton of shot attempts for him to be really effective because of the way that he rebounds, because of the way he, uh, you know, makes himself available as a lob threat basically from half court. Like the the dude is physically and athletically so special um, that he's not the type of player that needs 20 shots in a game to really be good and and affect the basketball game that much. So in that regard, I think it's going to work very well with guys like McCollum and Brandon Ingram. You want to make a prediction for the Pelicans next season? So, so hard. Um, I'm probably going to dodge that question just because, you know, I look at, Again, it's like the same scenario that we were talking about with Sacramento. How what 
seed could they possibly be next year? Can they improve? Again, if you look at the teams that are ahead of New Orleans or finished this year ahead of the New Orleans Pelicans, does Minnesota build off what they did this year and win more games next year? The Nuggets are going to be healthy again. They're getting Jamal Murray back. Michael Porter Jr. comes back. They were the sixth seed this year. Does that mean they're the fourth seed next year? Like these other teams, for New Orleans to overtake somebody, I'm not 100% sure that that team is going to regress. The eighth seed was the Clippers, and we already talked about them Mm -hmm. getting a healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George back. So it's still a a tough mountain to climb for them, especially when we don't know, you know, all those other teams, we've seen what their full-strength rosters look like on the court. We've actually seen them all play basketball together. We haven't seen Zion, to your point that you just made, play with any of these guys yet. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, but I certainly like what New Orleans is doing. I think they will be better next year. They'll win more than 36 games, I think. All right, how make, many, I don't know. I'll make it a little bit easier on you here. Top four, bottom four in the playoffs. Oh, I would be shocked if they climbed all the way to the top four. Okay. I mean, you, you've got, I think Memphis will probably be there again next year. The Warriors, depending on what their offseason looks like, there's no reason to believe that they won't be a top four team right now. Uh, you know, Phoenix obviously is still, they have a big question with DeAndre Ayton, but as of right now, they're, they were the best team in the league all year long. You've got the Nuggets, who will probably be better. And uh, we didn't even mention Dallas, who was the fourth seed this year. So yep. I would find it very, very surprising to see New Orleans as a top four team in the West next next season. I think they have top four potential if everything goes their way. But there's so many question marks. There's health concerns. There's chemistry concerns. There's all this stuff. Uh, So I I have to agree with you, Calvin. I I think they're going to be in the bottom uh, at least four of the playoff picture. But I expect them to make the playoffs next season. Um, It's just going to rely on health. It's going to rely on what exactly Zion looks like and uh, how well this team can play together. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, let's talk about Jaden Ivey. You know, many Kings fans were extremely excited to move up in the draft lottery just a week ago. Uh, they officially have pick number four. We've been hearing rumors that the Kings have already traded the pick and they're moving up to pick number two. We've also heard uh, the Knicks are, are considering moving to pick number four. Jaden Ivey has something to say about it, Calvin. What's going on with Jaden Ivey? Well, yes, I saw a tweet this morning from uh, at Detroit's Legacy. I don't, I don't know if they're directly affiliated with the Pistons or not, uh, but apparently this is a direct quote from Jaden saying that he wants to play in Detroit. He's always been a Piston at heart. Uh, and his, again, the other part of this direct quote, these are his words. Team, places like OKC and Sacramento, no one cares about. It's always been about Detroit for me. Um, Those are very strong words from a guy who hasn't played a game in the NBA yet. This is a Midwest guy, though. Um, You know, he has ties from from his upbringing to the Detroit Pistons. And uh, he's trying to maybe force his way into like an Eli Manning situation here almost. Force his way onto the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, the, the first half of that quote, I, I totally get. He's saying all the right things. It's the second half that kind of sends me astray. And I'm like, what's going on with this guy? Is his agent not telling him what to say here in these in these interviews? <laughs> like, he's costing himself money here. He could potentially be drafted number four. He's saying he wants to go number five. Not that there's a big difference there, but uh, it's pretty interesting in... He must not watch the Pistons play last year because they were absolutely horrendous. Uh, but I guess the guy's spoken. He wants to go to Detroit. I'm interested to hear what the Kings fans have to think about that because if the Kings do remain with pick number four and they don't trade up, is Shaden Sharp the guy now or is it a guy like Murray instead? Well, I mean, it's got to be between those two guys, right? If they don't take Ivy and they stay at four. Um, I think more and more people were starting to move into the Sharp or Murray camp anyway. Uh, there's still definitely a lot of people out there that like Jade and Ivy. And I think when it was 
first announced that the Kings were going to be picking fourth, there were a lot of people that wanted Jaden Ivey right away. But I, I feel like as we get closer to the draft, there will be less and less of those people around, especially after, obviously, a, a comment like this is made. Um, but I, again, I, I think that if the Kings are going to pick at four, getting any one of those three guys would have been a good move, a good fit for the team. They would have worked for Sacramento in different ways. Um, but I, I am starting to believe now that Murray might be the best fit for them if they are going to pick at four. Yeah, I was included in that list. I was watching the draft lottery with you, and I was like, I want Jaden Ivey. I want Jaden Ivey. He's my guy. When I hear a comment like this, I'm like, no way I'm taking Jaden Ivey. It's hard enough to get guys in Sacramento. If he's already talking about he doesn't want to be on this team, uh, he is the last guy that I'm going to draft here uh, because it's hard enough trying to build chemistry in a team uh, with guys that want to be here. Jaden Ivey is completely off of my draft radar at this point if I'm Sacramento. Yeah. Well, and look, all the stories indicate that the Kings want to move up and move away from four anyway, so that kind of makes this a moot point at the end. I mean, if, if you're a team like Oklahoma City, does this make you less likely to trade two for four? Um, no, not necessarily, because again, there are still those other guys there like Sharp and, and Murray who Oklahoma City could definitely use. They could use a, a, not another really good wing, uh, another good shooter, um, a floor spacer, an all-around scorer like Murray. Um, so, and don't forget, they've got a ton of other picks. So maybe we see them trade back multiple times in this first round, which would be kind of amazing. But if any team's going to do it, it's definitely them. Yeah, and maybe they're chasing a, a first overall in one of these drafts to give them the pick of the litter and a guy to build around. Or maybe they just don't really like a guy in this year's draft, or they don't feel like there's a franchise-changing guy in this draft. So I agree with you, Calvin. I, I think we they are a wild card. We could see them move up. We could see them move down. We could see them move completely out of this draft. Uh, no one knows what the Thunder are doing right now other than they're adding more picks. So... I could totally see a situation where maybe they trade two for four and another pick, and then they trade four for eight and another pick, and they trade eight or or something like that. Uh, but at some yeah, point, we, you got to get have players. A wild first round here. Yeah, at some point, you got to get you got to get some players. All right, it's Friday. Let's talk about the game tonight, Cal. It is. You want to real quickly address this question from Progressive G, just since it's related to the the draft here and and Jaden Ivey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I missed that. Uh, what do you think? Uh, there's this negativity from eighteen to twenty year old rookies that makes them not want to come to Sacramento. Um, probably because they've never seen us in the playoffs would be my answer to that. What about you, Cal? Well, certainly that's one thing, right? But, um, you know, also there's, let's be honest, there's not a lot to do in Sacramento. Um, it, it is not the most bustling city that you could ever live in, which I'm sure is a negative factor for some people. But I also don't think this is a new thing. I, I mean, people are maybe trying to point like this is this generation's problem or, or something like that. Uh, it, you just hear about it more often. I mean, don't forget Bo Jackson told the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that he wasn't going to play for them if they drafted him number one overall in the NFL. And that was like 40 years ago. So it, it still happens. Um, it doesn't happen with every player. I think it, there's always a mix in every draft. Some guys say all the right things. They just want to go where they're, whoever picks them, they're going to, they're going to be happy to be, feel like they're wanted and all that stuff. And other guys take a more uh, direct approach and, and try to force their way out of going to a certain team. Yeah, and, and also uh, my takeaway from this quote is not so much negative to Sacramento or negative to Oklahoma, Oklahoma City or any of these teams. It's more of just it sounds like the dude wants to go to Detroit. You mentioned that he's from Detroit uh, or, or close to it. Um, so... For me, the quote was all about, I want to go to Detroit, not so much uh, anti these other teams. He's just trying to yep. uh, make them not draft him. Yep. Jaden Ivey is, is from South Bend, Indiana, by the way. 
Okay, so pretty close. Pretty very, close. It's very close to Detroit. And yeah. I mean, there's pretty much, if you grow up in that area, there's two, uh, you know, major sports cities that you potentially root for. One is Chicago and one is Detroit. So. Yep. And uh, the Pacers are, are on the clock at pick number six as well. Could also be potential. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about today's game. It is game six here of the Miami Boston series. This game is back in Boston. Miami laid an egg in game five. They lost their mojo. They've been playing uh, unlike the Miami Heat. And uh, there's some injuries to deal with in this game. Tyler Hero's been upgraded to day to day after missing the past few games. Gabe Vincent also listed as day to day. Robert Williams and Marcus Smart are both listed as day to day for the Boston Celtics. The Celtics are favored, Calvin, by eight points in this game. Eight points. What are your thoughts on this game? Uh, it's a big spread. I will, I will say that. But I, I think Boston closes this out tonight. I don't know if I would bet the eight-point spread if, if I had money on it. But I do think Boston is going to win this game. I said it a couple of games ago. I, I just feel like Miami is too banged up. Boston is a better team at full strength, and now they're pretty much at full strength. They have a couple nagging injuries on their team as well. Um, but they're basically playing with their their regular rotation every game, and Miami is limping along, uh, and that just gives more of an, of an advantage to Boston. They're at home. Um, they've shot really, really well from outside when they've been at home this postseason, particularly guys like Grant Williams. Um, and so – you know, if Marcus Smart is able to go for this game as well, that gives him another shooter out there. I expect Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to have good games. And again, I think Miami is just too banged up um, and has to do to overcome too much in order to win this game. Plus, when you look at how well or how badly, I should say, Miami has played offensively over the last two games, now to have to go on the road and try to win an elimination game, that's a very tall order. Yep. I'm going to make a bold prediction here, Calvin. I, I got the Heat winning this game. I think this is going to be the Jimmy Butler show. He has not been the best player on the court in this series, but he does have the potential. I think he can will his team to win one game, and I think it will be this game six. I think the Heat force a game seven in Miami. I'm not making any predictions on that game at this point, but I do think the Heat will win tonight. I'm expecting a huge game from Jimmy Butler, and I also expect big numbers from Bam Adebayo as well. So Miami Heat are winning game six, forcing a seven-game series in the East, Calvin, and it's going to be exciting. It will be exciting. I would love to see a game seven. Um, I thought the series was going seven when it started. But, yeah, again, injuries are, are a big, big factor, I think, right now for the Miami Heat. What's Tyler Hero going to look like if he does actually go? We've already talked a lot about Kyle Lowry mm -hmm. um, and how whether or not he's helping or hurting the team by playing. Um, and, yeah, Jimmy Butler, they're, look, if Miami is going to win this game, they're going to need at least 25 points from Jimmy Butler. They're going to need the team to shoot above 35% from three, and they're going to need – fast break points they're going to need to get out and transition they have to force some turnovers boston has been sloppy with the ball at times and that is when miami has won games and built leads in this series when they've been able to take care of turn of mistakes that boston makes offensively get turnovers and turn those into to fast break points so that that's the recipe for the miami heat I'm expecting more like closer to 40 for Jimmy in this game. Come on, Jimmy. Don't let me down. Get your big face coffee ready. Let's do this. Let's force a game seven here. Any last comments on the game, Cal, before we jump here into Q&A? Uh, I hope it's a close game. This series has been, it's been evenly contested. You know, we're in a game six, three, two in the series, but Boston has really dominated most of the quarters in this series. They should probably have finished it off 4-1 already, in my opinion. Can Miami make this a competitive game for the full 48 minutes and not just a half or a quarter? Yep, yep. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. 
Well, it looks like everyone's excited for Friday. The chat is dying down here a little bit. I know you guys are excited uh, for the finals to get started here. But hey, the round's not over yet. We potentially have a Game 7 on Sunday. And then the finals will start next week. And Calvin and I will also be back next week. I'll be back in the studio Monday through Friday for all your wonderful basketball needs. We're going to be breaking down some off-season stuff. We're going to talk about the draft. We're going to be doing some NBA 2K stuff. But hey, it's Q&A, so if you guys have any questions, feel free to drop them in the chat on the side here, and we will answer them before we wrap up the show. Calvin, wow. it's uh, It's been an exciting NBA playoff so far. It really has been. I know your bracket and my bracket have been completely destroyed here. What more could you really ask for, right? Like, I feel like the NBA, for a certain amount of time, you knew exactly who was going to be in the finals every single year, whether it was the Lakers, the Spurs, uh, the Heat, uh, the Cavs, the Warriors. Um, You know, it, it was pretty consistent there for a while. So it's exciting to see, you know, just over the past few years, we've seen the Miami Heat without LeBron James in the finals. We saw the Toronto Raptors, uh, you know, hoist, uh, you know, a banner. We saw the Milwaukee Bucks win a championship. We saw the Phoenix Suns make the finals. Now we could potentially see uh, a new era of the Boston Celtics making it. Uh, I know people are tired of the Warriors making it, but this is a great season for them, a great comeback story. Um, So just an exciting uh, you know, year of basketball and a sight exciting a decade here of basketball. And, and, uh, I'm just, I'm excited for the finals, but I, I'm not giving up on this Eastern conference finals yet, Cal. <laughs> As you shouldn't hold, hold on until the, the bitter end, right? Yeah. Uh, progressive G said, if the Warriors win this finals, where do you rank Steph Curry all time? Is he a top 10 player? Um, that's a, that's a really <laughs> tough question. I feel like we have to write them down really to try and question. do that. I can't even name my top 10 right now. Yeah. Well, look, first of all, I'll say this. Um, in my opinion, when it comes to ranking individual players, the overwhelming majority of people put too much of an emphasis on championships. Yep. Do they matter? Yes, of course they matter. But they're not individual awards. They're team awards. A, a championship is won by a team, not a player. So that's why I consider LeBron the greatest player of all time, even though Jordan has more rings than him. That's why I consider Wilt Chamberlain a far superior player than Bill Russell, even though Bill Russell has way more championships than he does. So when it comes to Curry... He's a fringe top 10 player for me, whether or not he's got four or three rings. I'm not sure that that him winning would automatically, just the fact that he's got four rings bumps him into my top 10 anyway. Yeah, I think he's one of the hardest players to rank as far as all-time greats, just because, uh, you know, what he did to change the game was completely incredible but it's it's hard to really you know rank that and and try and figure out how that uh balances with his skills there's definitely some things that that he's not exceptional at um and most of the guys in my top five at least are exceptional in in every single category or very close to it steph curry is by far the best shooter of all time uh he i think he's maybe top two top three ball handler of all time obviously a great competitor, uh, has been on a great team. He's a great leader, all this stuff. I think he's in my top 10, uh, but I would have to revisit and count all those guys because there's a lot of amazing players uh, just swirling around in my head right now. It's an awfully hard list to crack. And yeah, it's it's really hard to rank. <laughs> Calvin, do you watch uh, the Impulsive podcast? I do not. So Logan Paul, that's that's his podcast. He was at VCon last week, uh, and he's got a really interesting interview with Snoop Dogg, um, and he did it at VCon. I, I recommend you you check it out. It's it's very very interesting. Anyways, they talk about things like NFTs. Uh, they talk about LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Uh, Snoop talks about you know the last time he saw Tupac, and and a bunch of interesting things. It's a really really cool podcast. 
But one of the most interesting questions in that is they talk about Michael Jordan. Snoop Dogg has never met Michael Jordan. He really wants to meet him, and he's never met him. I thought that that was incredible because if I were to look at a guy like Snoop Dogg, I'd be like, dude, you can meet whoever you want, right? If you're like, I want to go <laughs> say hi to Jordan, you can meet Jordan. He talks about uh, he was on his way to go see Prince's house. He talks about how he got Kobe to come see him and all this. Then they talk about top five players of all time in the NBA. Can you guess who Snoop's number one player all time is? And remember, he is a Lakers fan. Uh, 100%. It's got to be a Laker, right? It is a Laker. But which one? Uh, It's probably Magic. You got it. Magic Johnson, number one. And then he goes on to say, well, where do you rank Michael Jordan? And he just says, top five. (laughs) Then he says, where do you rank LeBron? And he says, top five. And then he says, LeBron's got two numbers in my top five, six and 23. So I thought that was pretty interesting. (laughs) If, If you're filling out your top five and you got Magic Johnson, he's probably got Kobe in there, right? And then you got Jordan. He's got to have two spots then also, right? Eight and 20. Yeah, right. And then you got LeBron twice. So pretty interesting. But anyways, you guys should definitely check out that podcast. It it was very, very entertaining. And uh, he also talks about his relationship with uh, Martha Stewart and uh, how Martha Stewart spent more time in prison than a lot of people that he knows. So uh, it's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's very entertaining. Um, but yeah, when it comes to that the top ten list, it's such a difficult thing to rank. I, I don't know if there really is a right or wrong answer. Um, it's so hard to compare different eras, different positions, all all that stuff. I, I'm shocked that Snoop hasn't met Jordan either. It seems very surprising to me. Jordan is a very uh, reclusive superstar, though. He actually said that he had an opportunity to meet him once uh, and he was talking about you know we get offers all the time to do all these things he said he's chasing Shaq because Shaq is the guy that's on every commercial and and does everything and he loves the business sense of Shaq and in, in, uh, Magic and he's chasing him and I think you can tell that right like you see Snoop on more and more commercials every single day he also talks about buying back Death Row Records and all that stuff um, but they're asking him, they're like, you must get so many offers to do things. What's the biggest offer you've ever turned down? And he said, I actually got an offer to DJ at a party for Michael Jordan, and I turned it down. He said he turned it down because he had a lot of other things going on, and he already had other, other things scheduled, and he's put them on the list. And then he says, I don't want to meet Jordan that way. I want to meet Jordan as a fan, like, what's up? I'm a fan, you know, I, I loved watching you, all this, you know, can I get a picture and I'm out versus working for him, working at a gig and be like, yes, sir, boss, you know, I'm a DJ again here for you. So uh, uh, just well, that's probably why he's never met Jordan. Then I'm sure Jordan heard <laughs> oh, Snoop didn't want to DJ your party. And Michael is like, OK, he's pretty much dead to me. then. <laughs> that definitely sounds like something uh, Michael would say, right? He took it personal. personally. As he was like to say. <laughs> Progressive G said, you know, Warriors fans are going to say he's uh, he's borderline goat if he wins. They're already saying that, a Progressive lot, yeah, G. A lot of Warriors fans already think that. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Pat. I'm looking at you. Uh, and, and borderline is a stretch. Uh, they're, they're already saying yeah. he's the greatest, yeah. Not no question asked. Top 10, top 5, it's really so hard to rank. I just urge everybody... Age is a number, top 10 is a number, like just worry about enjoying these guys and watching them in real time. You don't need to compare every single person, every single player. Just enjoy watching great basketball because there's been thousands of NBA players in the past, hundreds of thousands. There's been a lot of greats. There's going to be many to come and uh, the top 10 could very well change in the next 10, 20, 30 years. So just enjoy them while you can enjoy them while you can all right calvin i think we're ready to wrap up the show here you got any last thoughts have fun watching the game today enjoy your weekend we'll be back on monday yeah thank you guys so much 
uh, for joining us for another episode. We greatly appreciate you spending some time in your day to hang out with us. Please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. Hit that little uh, notification bell so you get notified every time we put out a new video. And I'll be back in the studio next week with Cal. So make sure you guys tune in on Monday to see us. We will be back. Enjoy the game tonight. Thank you so much for watching. And also, don't forget to tip your bartender.